Hello, and welcome to the Formed and Known podcast. The Formed and Known podcast exists to equip believers in Jesus Christ to think biblically about issues related to sex, sexuality, and the value of every human life. The name of our podcast comes from Jeremiah 1, verse 5, where the Lord spoke to the prophet Jeremiah and said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. My name is Jared Marshall. I'm a former pastor and now serve as the executive director of Marsha's Place Pregnancy Resource Center in Henderson, Kentucky. My guest today is Senator Robbie Mills. He serves as the state senator for District 4 here in Kentucky, covering Henderson, Hopkins, Union, and Webster counties. He is co-chair of the Kentucky General Assembly's Pro-Life Caucus. Well, Senator Mills, thank you uh, so much for joining me for this episode of the Formed and Known podcast. It's an honor to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jared. It's a pleasure to be here. We've been uh, supporters of Marshall's Place for many, many years, so glad to be on. Yes, you have, and thank you so much for that support. And uh, what I'd like to do um, is just have you help uh, myself and our listeners understand the current laws in Kentucky, uh, specifically concerning abortion. Uh, so in the wake of the Dobbs decision and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, there's been a lot of discussion, not just in our state, but nationwide about things like trigger bans uh, and the immediate effect that the Supreme Court decision has had in many states. Uh, so maybe that would be a good place for us to start. I, I guess to start, can you just explain for us what the trigger law is here in Kentucky and maybe give us some background into how it came to be. Yeah. So, uh, so we have a, a very active uh, pro-life caucus of members in the House and the Senate that have been active uh, my whole time I've been in the legislature. And one of our goals uh, has always been to be prepared if Roe versus Wade uh, was overturned. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2019, uh, our one of our leaders in the Pro-Life Caucus, uh, Joe, Representative Joe Fisher, who actually is running for Supreme Court, or uh, yeah, for Supreme Court uh, this this fall, okay. he is uh, he is actually uh, was the sponsor of House Bill. 148, which everybody refers to as the trigger bill. Now, once again, this was three years ago. Right. And basically, it just said that if Roe versus Wade was overturned and abortion, uh, abortion control was pushed back down to the state level, that Kentucky's law would be X, Y, and Z. And right. our X, Y, and Z on the law that we put in place was that abortion would not be legal. It would be illegal, mm -hmm. except, and the only exception was the life of the mother. And so that was passed. Uh, it was not unanimous, but it was very, very well supported in both the House and the Senate in 2019. So we were one of, I believe, 10 states that had a law in place uh, the hour that uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned, and the Attorney General confirmed that it was overturned. That law went into effect. Wow. Now, uh, the current state of that law is that it is being challenged, and we, you know, we figure that every trigger law was going to be challenged. So right. it will go back through uh, a legal process of being challenged, possibly being overturned at the lower level, and then possibly. 
being reversed back again at a higher level. So that is what we think will happen over the next several months or years. Well, I guess that that piggybacks directly into the the next question I had for you, uh, which was, you know, kind of a simple question. But uh, basically, I was just going to ask how secure is this trigger law? And and I guess what I'm asking there is just do pro-life folks in Kentucky need to be prepared to contend for pro-life legislation in the future? Yes. Yeah. It's I think, you know, this is, a you know, the striking down of Roe versus Wade is really kind of the start of an even more so grassroots efforts, grassroots efforts in every state to protect life right. in their locality. And so it's really just the start of kind of a, a new focus of of how to actively work for life. And uh, right. you know, what I have seen is that, um, you know, the other side uh, of this issue, they are starting to talk about our trigger law and how it's, you know, there's no rape and incest and looking for little openings to try to pry open the, right. you know, quote unquote, right to an abortion. So um, probably I've, I've probably in the last three or four days had more nasty things said to me and about me uh, related to the abortion issue than I've had in the last 10 years. And right. it's pretty much all related to around incest and rape as well. And of course, we believe, I believe that, you know, that life is precious and that there's plenty of, of adoptive parents and people that would love that child regardless of the circumstances that it came from yeah we can both condemn um you know acts of of rape or incest as horrific and i'm going to call those things sinful and uh i want to punish perpetrators uh, of those crimes to the fullest extent of the law but as you just said uh we do still recognize the the value of the life in the womb and want to to protect the child in the womb. So uh, I appreciate you you speaking so clearly on that issue. Um, my next question was, um, so the pro-life movement has a fair amount of diversity of opinions on how exactly we should do, uh, we should go about exactly what, what you're talking about, which is how we should go about building a culture of life in the future. Uh, the one thing you know we could agree upon for the last five decades or so was that well all of us wanted to work toward the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade that was you know if we if we differed on other things at least uh, you know most of us agreed on on that basic point so in your opinion now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned I guess just legislatively what do you think should be the legislative focus for pro-life citizens I guess specifically here in Kentucky moving forward yeah well we I mean our it's a it's an expensive process and it's a it's a kind of a global issue but we have got to make uh, raising children increase the uh, popularity of, of adoption right. and taking care of children that find themselves in bad situations I guess we've got to back up our words with actions now absolutely and uh, we have we have been we've been working uh, in the Bevan administration prior to Governor Bashir there were several uh, initiatives related to uh, foster care and adoption and uh, you know 
I continually have talked to people that need and want to adopt and talk about how the process is cumbersome, how it's uh, you know costly, how it takes too long, and uh, it can be discouraging, how right. fostering is a great way to give back, but it just rips her heart out when the child has moved on to a more permanent situation. So we've right. got to figure that out in Kentucky and do better by kids. I mean, we just, we do not rank well in the state of Kentucky on child welfare. And uh, we've we've put more money in the budget for that to try to, you know, get kids help and get them connected to places where they can flourish and get them out of places where they're not flourishing. But I think that's a, that's kind of a global issue of how we've got to move forward. Right. Uh, in the short term, uh, we've just got to protect, uh, you know, protect life legally and legislatively the best that we can. So I guess that leads us to reacting to, uh, to uh, judges' uh, decisions. And then probably the biggest way to react is uh, in November, we have the Yes for Life Amendment, which is Amendment right. Number Two, and that is a constitutional amendment that actually places in the Kentucky Constitution and clearly says that the Kentucky Constitution does not give a person the constitutional right of an abortion, because right. that has been that has been the wording of some judges is that they've determined that you know access to abortion is a constitutional right. Uh, this amendment will actually put it, change our constitution in Kentucky that says that right does not exist. Right. Uh, that's going to be on the ballot. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be quite a bit of uh, promotion, promotion and advertising on that. But I've been telling everybody that that's one of the things to put on their, you know, agenda for November to make sure they vote yes on Amendment 2. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we will be making sure to uh, be getting the word out about that amendment as well. Come uh, as we as we get closer to November. Uh, but just to be very clear for any listeners, we if 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 you're pro life, uh, you want to protect life in the womb. We want to be voting yes on Amendment yes. Number Two come November. Is that right, Robbie? Correct. That is okay. right. Okay. And uh, just to to backtrack a little bit, you actually answered my my very next question. Um, my next question was going to be, is there anything that can be done to expedite the foster and adoption process? Uh, so that's really encouraging to, to hear that you're already uh, leading the way and thinking along those lines. Because I think, that, look, it's been less than a week uh, since Roe v. Wade was overturned at the time that we're recording this. And already uh, I've just heard from so many uh, fellow uh, Christians and, and pro-lifers uh, who are ready and willing to step up and do exactly what you said, which is just put actions to our words. And I think we all realize like that's that's a tangible way that we need to be ready to step up uh, in the wake of, of Roe v. Wade being overturned is through foster and adoption. So I know people want to, to help in those areas. Um, but, but as you said, sometimes the administrative roadblocks uh, can be really daunting. So uh, it's just encouraging to hear um, that other people are thinking along those lines too, people like you who are who are serving our commonwealth. So uh, thank you for your work in that area. And I know um, 
yeah, I, I know people want to see that a reality to do exactly as you said, which is to do better for our children here in Kentucky uh, and to find them a loving and, and safe home. Um, but yeah, moving on to, um, to my next question, this, this one, uh, if at any of these points, you, you correct me if, if I'm wrong. Um, so under, I believe under the current abortion law in Kentucky, um, it is, uh, this is coming from the, the trigger law, which we understand is being challenged, but under that, under that trigger law, it is a class D felony for a doctor to provide an abortion, uh, punishable, I believe, by up to five years in prison. Um, so just for comparison's sake, I was curious and was just doing some research. So just for comparison's sake, another Class D felony would be like the unauthorized use of a credit card involving a sum of money between $500 and $1,000. And then by for comparison's sake, again, fetal homicide in our state, um, in our law, is considered to be a capital offense uh, punishable by up to life in, in prison. So I guess they're, you know, so fetal homicide, if someone intentionally murders an unborn baby, it's considered a capital offense. Whereas if a doctor or someone provides an abortion, which I'm also going to say is killing an unborn child, it's considered a class D felony. So I guess yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering there, could, could you ever foresee in the future um, legislation being introduced here in Kentucky that would, would try to make it a capital offense to provide an elective abortion? Yeah, I can. Uh, and, and, and once again, uh, so different certain actions work their way up and down the felony charges and misdemeanor charges right. as as society changes, I would say. And, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, we wanted in the trigger law, we wanted it to be a felony right. uh, to be a part of that. Now, that also extends to prescribing abortive uh, drugs right. and actually distributing abortive drugs too, I believe, in the trigger law. Once again, it's been three years since I looked at it. No, uh, but, yes, that's correct. But, you know, we did not, you know, we wanted it to be a felony, but we, we I guess we needed to be at a, at a, cl a class D felony uh, in order to not lose votes uh, right. with that. So, right. so, you know, the legislative process is a, is kind of a give and take, but right. I felt good that we got to a felony charge there. But I think you're exactly right. I think once um, once we start re-debating and re-litigating these issues again, there's a chance that that uh, charge may move its way up to right. the felony charge a little bit. Right, right. That's good to kind of see behind the curtain there of the uh -huh. legislative process. Uh, it. Sometimes it's a it's a process, and uh, uh, so yeah, um, and and you actually got into one of my my other questions as well, which was the abortion pill by mail. I know there's been a lot of discussion about that. Um, you know, in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision, I've been reading lots of news stories encouraging people to stockpile the abortion pill. Yep. Um, they've been encouraging people to to go online to various European companies to order the abortion pill online. Uh, so I was just, I was just curious, uh, this might be a difficult question to answer, but just in practice, how, 
how do we police the mailing of abortion pills in Kentucky? Because as you said, that that was part of the trigger ban, uh, that the abortion pill cannot be mailed in Kentucky. Um, I guess, how do we go about policing that? That just seems to me like that's going to be a very difficult task. Yeah, it is. You know, first thing is that, um, you know, and you'll hear the left really uh, barking this right now about the mailing of abortion pills. Um, right. You know, Judge Kavanaugh has already kind of ruled uh, and written on the fact that there's some interstate commerce uh, uh, issues with <clears throat> states regulating uh, mailing of, of abortion pills and that he's already kind of said, I haven't read really deep into it, that that is not anything that the court is interested in ruling on right now. Right. But with that said, you know, uh, you know, it's going to come down to law enforcement in each individual state because, I mean, obviously there are states out west that, you know, drug activity is can be done in, in plain daylight, but yet in Kentucky and Tennessee, you know, there are investigations all the time of drugs and drug paraphernalia being mailed. And, and delivered and things of that nature. So right. I think you'll see that continuing to where, you know, in Kentucky, you know, depending on who's in charge of law enforcement, uh, they're either going to be strict or not strict on uh, enforcing that law. So, right. uh, I mean, I think, I think you'll see it coming and going, which is, you know, in my opinion, another reason to, to vote for a conservative that's going to, you know, enforce the laws uh, in the attorney general's office, in the legislature, and in the governor's office as well. But uh, right. those are, that's another area of this issue that's going to be continually litigated and debated moving forward. Right, right. And the sad thing about it is we know that, you know, that the abortion process is brutal, mm -hmm. but it's even more brutal when you take a pill and you abort your child, you know, in the bathroom by yourself. Right. Uh, and, right. and that's unfortunately what a lot of, I think it's close to 60% of abortions now are medical uh, prescription-based abortions. And uh, that yes. just leaves the young lady in a terrible uh, emotional state that's, you know, has all kinds of implications for years to come. Yes. Um, I think the, the uh, popularity of the abortion pill is only going to continue to rise, and, and that's just an issue um, we're just going to need to be knowledgeable about and, and equipped to, to deal with in the future and just need uh, everyday people, uh, listeners of this podcast, to be knowledgeable about these issues because, just as you indicated, uh, we're, we're already living in a time where a mom can um, – uh, have a you know what they call a, a self-managed abortion uh, from from the comfort of her home without ever having seen a, a doctor in person um, so we just need everyday um, men and women in our community to be knowledgeable about these issues um, one other thing that I have seen 
in the news a, a lot over the past week has been the topic of ectopic pregnancies and miscarriage. And obviously, neither one of us is a is a medical professional, but um, just a lot of uh, I, I've seen just a lot of fear um, from some women who who are afraid if if they uh, get if they have an ectopic pregnancy or if they have a miscarriage, are they going to be able to access? Uh, medical treatment for those for those uh, circumstances. So, uh, can you speak to that uh, that at all? I guess the question there is: Is yeah. this trigger ban in Kentucky going to affect uh, those particular medical situations? No, I think that's. Uh, I think any doctor that does has any experience in obstetrics would tell you that those type of medical issues, uh, you know, would fit within the guidelines of. You know the life of the mother right. and uh that is that's the intent of the law it, the intent is not to force uh women to have uh a medically ultra risky pregnancy right and uh right. that's that that is the intent there and i don't think you'll ever see us going past that um you know it, it, what's interesting is that you know the the, the trigger law allows one doctor to make that decision, which, you know, goes to the effect that, you know, if you go to the right doctor, he's going to make that decision. And, you know, some of the European countries, I thought this was interesting in the news, uh, since President Biden was over there, some of the European countries that were commenting on our abortion laws, they were, their country actually requires two doctors to sign right. off on a situation of the life of the mother. So it's even more restrictive right. than ours is. Right. So, uh, so that you may see that come down the line where we might need, where we might, you know, a state might require two doctors to sign off on the life of the mother uh, in case you end up with doctors that are just, you know, kind of like the pill mill doctors giving out, you know, giving out medicine everywhere. These guys are signing off on abortive procedures procedures, you know, right. kind of right. willy-nilly. So I think you might see that as a, as a protective measure as well. Thank you, Senator Mills, for um, for the way that you serve our communities and for the, the great work you've done um, contending for life in the, in the state of Kentucky. Um, and I, I want to give you a chance here just at the end. I, I know you spoke briefly about the Yes for Life amendment coming up in November. Uh, but I guess anything you'd like uh, our listeners to know uh, moving forward uh, as we get to November, but also just uh, other things that, that you're working on right now uh, behind the scenes for, for life in Kentucky. Sure. Well, I continue to serve as the chairman of the Pro-Life Caucus and uh, in several other leadership roles uh, in the state Senate as well. I am on the ballot in November and feel like I'm the most qualified person to be in that position and am able to uh, not only speak into the life issue, but many other issues for Northwest Kentucky. So uh, I, I enjoy serving. I feel like uh, it's a calling to serve. And uh, my wife and I have kind of uh, built and, and positioned our life around the uh, uh, the options of serving our community uh, in public service. So uh, it's, it's an enjoyment. And I just want to say thank you to Marsha's Place for all that they do uh, as well. So, Jared, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Senator Mills. We, we truly appreciate um, 
your work uh, even several years ago to to have that trigger law in place that was just excellent forward thinking uh, by yourself and many others so uh, thank you for what you've done to protect life here in here in our commonwealth and uh, thank you for taking the time to to join us on the podcast today we really appreciate it yes sir thank you bye-bye